welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Time to Shine show. Entrepreneurship, startups, commonwealth, coaching, and much more. This is what we are going to talk with with our today's guest, Gary Parker. Gary, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Oscar, and yourself? I'm good, thanks. I'm happy to have you here. Gary Parker has over 20 years of experience as public speaker. He is chairman of British and Commonwealth Chamber of Commerce in Finland. He has large experience as communications coach He has advocated the cause of small and medium enterprises for more than two decades at European and Commonwealth levels. And he is a lover of English language. Gary, could you tell us more about yourself? I started off my career, so to speak, um, wanting to be an actor um, with the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Um, but my father said, oh, you'll never earn any money as an actor, so why don't you become a lawyer? So uh, I ended up going to university studying law, uh, which took me eventually to Brussels with uh, the European Law Students Association and then into business lobbying with the European Association of Crafts, Trades and SMEs. And there I was able to develop my public speaking and policy skills and get to meet loads of very interesting business and uh, public sector people from around the whole of Europe. And For the last seven years, I've been here in Finland uh, and trying to help Finns communicate better, mainly for business and public policy purposes, uh, so that they can get a better deal out of their international relationships. Sounds fascinating. When did your career as public speaker start? Really, it, it began professionally when I went to Brussels uh, in 1994, 95. Uh, and just took off from there, really. Um, so, yeah, 20 years this year. Excellent. Because every great speech starts with a strong opening, could you rewind back to the past and share with us an opening that you remember as the best in your life? I, I actually think it was at my wedding, which took place here in Finland about 13 years ago. And um, I, I said to people... Uh, at the, the wedding breakfast or lunch afterwards that uh, funny things happen when one is organizing such an important occasion. Uh, one of them was that my grandmother, um, who was 85 at the time, uh, was uh, flying over to Finland from the UK. And her daughters, my two aunts and my mother, said to her, well, you do realize, you know, we're flying on a jet to Helsinki. And she said, oh, yes. And they said, oh, well, you, you've never flown before, Mum. And she said, oh, yes, I have. And they said, what? Where? When? She said, yes, 1945 in a training spitfire from Long Buckby in Northamptonshire. And everybody was quite stunned by this revelation at the time. And I think the message was from, from my side that uh, you find out amazing secrets about your nearest and dearest when you organize something like a wedding. Uh, and it sort of got the audience a, a little bit relaxed, ready for the, the deeper stuff that was to come in, in the other speeches. So uh, I think even the Finns understood 
what, what the message was. And as my grandmother was two seats away from me, uh, she was also quite surprised that this revelation had been made public. Um, but I think that was one of my best openers because it was very personal to me and my family and it was what I wanted to say. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're definitely the first seconds of every speech are so important. So it's, it's, it's great I, to start like this, something to the point and personal, like in your case. Gary, please tell us about one time when you experienced stage fright. You were paradise, maybe it was the beginning of your career. A moment when you said to yourself, I have to become a better speaker. I say that to myself every time. Uh, and I have these, um, I'm always nervous before I speak, and I think that's a good thing because it gets the, the adrenaline flowing. If you're not nervous, um, then you're not going to deliver your best. The secret is not to show the nerves. So before every speech, I have this 30 seconds to one minute period before I'm actually about to start speaking where my mind goes completely blank and I don't know what I'm going to say. And then it just comes out you know, fairly quickly after that when I look at the audience and see who's there. Um, I focus on something, might be one of them. Uh, and then the words come. But I have a blank just about every time. Well, that's, that's true. It's almost everybody has, has uh, the stage fright sometimes, but we can always uh, succeed in spite of that. Gary, in your experience fostering entrepreneurship, what are the communication needs for enterprises today compared to 20 years ago? I don't think the, the needs have fundamentally changed. Um, people still need networks. Um, these days there are many different ways of, of using them. We've got social media tools and um, trying to make them your servant rather than your master is the big challenge. But people still need to do face-to-face -face business and they still need to get to know people. They still need confidence. Um, what a competent trainer can do is give them uh, the, the presenter competent and confident message delivery techniques. Uh, and that's all people need, uh, whether it's small talk or big talk. Uh, people just need to interact with each other and you know, not sit all day behind the computer pressing buttons. You've got to get out there as 90% of all the major deals in the world, whether you're a big business or a small business, are done face to face. Thank you. And what are the main obstacles startups have to pitch and communicate their ideas? I think it's confidence, confidence in, in themselves. Um, most entrepreneurs and inventors, engineers, they know their products inside out. They know what they want to sell and what they want to, to get, but they don't always know how to express themselves in a way that seals the deal. You know, the killer presentation, uh, as the Americans would use it, we would say in international English, the... The, the competent delivery and result from a, a presentation type of deal. So it's about saying what you, you think, uh, saying what you want to say rather than trying to say what you think the other person wants to hear. And that's where people stumble. So I don't think that has changed not only in the last 20 years. I think it's always been that way if you go back far enough. Yeah, absolutely agree. Confidence and knowing your audience is doors are always 
the basics on the communications. And how do communication skills for entrepreneurs change across countries, let's say comparing UK, Finland, Australia? Um, well, of course, stereotypes are dangerous, but um, normally in the, the colder and darker countries, um, people are a little bit quieter, a little bit more reserved. Um, whereas if you look at uh, anywhere between the tropics, for example, wherever there is sun, people are a little more open and, and communicative. So I think it's uh, sunshine versus uh, um, uh, darkness or sunshine versus shade and what we want is for people particularly here in Finland and, and in other countries where it's darker to come out of the shade and into the light and, and do things uh, in a sort of more open way uh, in terms of their oral communication skills. And is there any common communication style among all the Commonwealth countries? No, I, I don't think so. When you look at the 53 countries in the Commonwealth, you've got you know, most of the Caribbean, um, you've got North America with Canada, you've got the Pacific Islands. Um, I always say not everybody is like a Fijian warrior uh, that in the old days would certainly be fairly aggressive and cut your throat. Nowadays, they play rugby. So I think the commonality is turning... Uh, commonwealth uh, peculiarities and cultural differences into other forms of expression, whether it's music or sport, or of course the common use of the English language. So we all use the English language to one degree or another and have many variants on it, but we gel together in, in different ways. Uh, but the bottom line is it was all built on trade, so people are very business-minded and, and focused and like to communicate both socially and professionally uh, in a very familial fashion, more so perhaps than in other international groupings. And you as communication uh, coach, would you find some difficulties in, in training to people who are more diverse countries among these Commonwealth countries? I think that the challenge is not so much how to say things or, or handling different accents. Um, it's social awareness, cross-cultural issues, uh, understanding of different religions and politics, um, different um, social norms and etiquette uh, are extremely important. Uh, and manners, certainly in the Commonwealth, do vary from continent to continent, more so country to country. So handling a, uh, a Maasai Mara warrior uh, from Africa or Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania is very different to dealing with uh, you know, somebody that's uh, selling canned fish from Jamaica. Um, people might look the same but their backgrounds are completely different and I think that's what makes it more fun handling communications across those cultures. Uh, even if it's in the same language, we might be thinking different things and coming from a totally different perspective. Through the same language, but different mindsets, absolutely. Could you please share with us your favorite quotation? Yes, my favorite quotation, and it does relate to public speaking and communications as well, is from Winston Spencer Churchill, Failure to Prepare is preparation for failure. 
And how does this apply to entrepreneurs? Well, I think whatever you do, whether it's trying to sell a product or a service, talking to clients or contractors, um, you've got to know what you're doing before you go into a meeting or, or a presentation. And just simple things to prepare uh, what's important. It may be the way you look, the way you dress. Uh, it may be uh, the information documents you have with you, your, your backup to what you say. Um, it may just be the, the way you come across, the way you do business. But if you know your audience and prepare for that in advance, then you're not going to have a, a problem. And Churchill knew a little bit about preparation, I guess. And he, <laughs> he uh, was telling uh, Europe to prepare for a big war uh, many years before it actually happened. And nobody listened. And that's the price, the big price some of us had to pay for not preparing in advance. Yeah, that's true. Churchill has very good quotation as this, and yeah, he knew a lot of preparation, definitely one of the one of the best speakers in the past. As you know a lot about history, could you share with us some some story, some historical story? Well, the one that, that, that always interests me, if one goes back far enough, is, um, uh, and it's about a very famous woman, um, Queen Boudicca. She used to be called Boadicea in our history books, but uh, Boudicca was queen of the Iceni, a tribe in East Anglia where I'm from, from my home region. And she was around in Roman times when the Romans first invaded Britain. And uh, the Roman uh, armies had killed her husband. Um, and she decided that she and her two daughters were, were going to fight the Romans with every resource they'd got. And in those days, the Romans um, thought that chariots were obsolete. Um, but these Iceni women and their soldiers, uh, who were men, of course, had um, chariots. And they charged the Romans and put them into full retreat uh, for quite some time, a number of years. But finally, they came back and, uh, and defeated the Iceni. But Boudicca is important because she is the perhaps the, the most, after Margaret Thatcher maybe in modern times, the most famous English woman um, or pre-English woman. Uh, and she's actually buried under Platform 10, so I believe, of King's Cross Station. So maybe the link with J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter and why it's Platform 9 and 3 quarters has something to do with this strong woman, Bodicea, who held Rome at bay for quite some time uh, when they were vastly superior in number and military skills. So there's an example to all. If you want something um, said, as Margaret Thatcher would say, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. So Boudicca, Margaret Thatcher, two key women in, in British history who have made a difference. Thank you for the great, great connection you're doing. Gary, could you recommend us one book that has inspired you and that you think our listeners should read it? There are lots of books out there that you know, tell you how to do better business, how to communicate better and so on. But I, I believe, for me at least, the best inspiration I've ever had is from the English poet and writer Rudyard Kipling, who wrote The Jungle Book. Um, but that's not the book that's interesting. In 1873, he wrote a poem called If, which was voted the best ever British poem some years ago, about 10 years ago. 
Uh, and it's a story he wrote, a poem he wrote for his son, who was later killed in World War I in Flanders Fields. Um, but back then, he, it was a guide on how to live life and how to manage the hurdles uh, of life and how to lead a good life and how to be a man, my son. And I think if all of you go away and read that, it will give you some inspiration and, uh, and hope whether you struggle with public speaking or whether you're brilliant at it. Uh, that's the one. So you don't need big books. You just need to find the right writer with the right message. Thank you. The point if. I have to read it right away after this, this interview myself. And listen, I would like to tell you that all what Gary is sharing with us, the quotation, the poem, are going to be available in the show notes. So visit the website, www.timetoshinepodcast.com. We're all, uh, almost reaching the end of the interview, Gary. Could you share with us an exercise, something practical, that you recommend doing daily or weekly as a routine to shine? Absolutely. Um, it's very easy, really. If you want to speak well, eat ice cream. Opera singers do it, and I'm not saying that's why some of them are rather fat, but if you eat ice cream shortly before you go to speak, uh, it'll make you feel good, but it'll also open up your vocal cords so you'll perform better. Um, and secondly, if you don't already do so, open your voice by singing every morning, whether it's in the shower or in front of the mirror. Maybe you're already singing in a choir and, and so on. But uh, that's really good for the voice. And as we say, uh, people who sing live longer, generally speaking. Yeah, thank you very much. I absolutely agree that singing is, is, is a good way of uh, strengthening the, the voice for, for public speaking. Gary, thank you very much for your time to talk with us during this interview. We have heard so fascinating stories from you. And before we say goodbye, I would like you to share with our listeners how they can contact you or follow you or learn more about you. Uh, yeah, well, you can connect with me uh, on LinkedIn, of course, uh, if you're interested. Uh, Gary Parker, I'm the only Gary Parker with two R's in Finland. Um, and also, um, I recommend that you um, follow the Commonwealth Business Council on the web, cbcglobal.org. Uh, and if you uh, would like any help with your public speaking, your communication skills and strategy, Don't hesitate to get in touch with me, but LinkedIn is the best way. Thank you very much, Gary, and have a nice day. Thanks, Oscar. All the best. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website, www.com time to shine podcast.com welcome to listen to us again next week